Welcome back to Tipping Point. I'm your host, Kara McKinney. Turns out yesterday's shooting at the Super Bowl parade in Kansas City may have been linked to gang violence. That is an angle that is still under police investigation. And while that gets sorted out, authorities now say they do know that it was a personal dispute that led to the shooting instead of terrorism or some other pre-planned attack. Take a listen. Preliminary investigative findings have shown there was no nexus to terrorism or homegrown violent extremism. This appeared to be a dispute between several people that ended in gunfire. During the overnight hours, we learned there are 23 victims of yesterday's shooting. One of our victims, Elizabeth Galvin, 43 years old, died. We are still learning about her, but know that she is beloved by many. To her friends and family, We are with you and we are working tirelessly to investigate her murder. The 22 victims age range between eight years old and 47 years old. At least half of our victims are under the age of 16. As mentioned yesterday, we have subjects detained, two of which are juveniles. We are working to determine the involvement of others and it should be noted we have recovered several firearms. And while they have several in custody, as you just heard, in connection with the shooting, including two juveniles, they're not releasing names or images yet, maybe because these pictures taken by eyewitnesses show that some of the men detained do not fit the narrative that the media wants. Already, the Brady Gun Control Organization is trying to make the focus on guns instead of on the person who pulled the trigger. Using a quote from Chiefs player Travis Kelsey, who is now super, super famous because he's dating Taylor Swift, they say that we need stricter gun laws in this nation to protect children. My former colleague Jack Basobic, who is now the senior editor for Human Events, has been doing a great job at keeping track of the situation. He instead blames gang violence because, as he points out, gang violence is so bad in Kansas City that locals often refer to it as kill a city. And they make Google Maps for residents and tourists alike to know what gangs control what territory so that they don't end up making the wrong turn down a street and catching a bullet for it. In fact, it was so bad that President Trump started Operation Legend in 2020 in direct response to the death of four-year-old Legend Talaferro, who was killed while sleeping in his apartment. His killer had allegedly assaulted a female family member of his, resulting in the family confronting the man. He'd already shot indiscriminately into another apartment building and decided to do the same to her family for confronting him. That is how little Legend was accidentally shot and killed. The operation President Trump instituted in his name allowed federal agents to make 1,500 arrests in a giant sweep across several dangerous cities. It was something Biden, though, ended his first day in office. But sure, let's keep blaming the guns and law-abiding Americans for the problem. Joining us now to discuss is Dr. John Lott, the president of the Crime Prevention Research Center. Dr. Lott, thanks for being here tonight. Well, thanks for having me on again. Great, so here we are once again. What do you make of this immediate rush to blame guns and not the person pulling the trigger? Well, if it's gang violence, as seems very likely in this case, uh, you know, it's very difficult to stop things like drug gangs from getting a hold of weapons, just as it's very difficult to stop those gangs from getting a hold of the illegal drugs that they're selling. I mean, it's not like... A, a gang can go to the police and say, look, this other dealer stole our drugs. Can you help us get them back? They have to have their own weapons to protect that extremely valuable property that they have. 
I mean, even if I could click my fingers and cause all guns in the United States to disappear and all illegal drugs, how long do you think it would be before illegal drugs started coming back into the country? 20 minutes if you're in El Paso? And how long would it be before they'd bring in the weapons to protect that extremely valuable property that they have? They'd be bringing them in at the same time. So the notion that somehow you're going to stop these gangs from getting a hold of uh, guns is about as likely as stopping them from getting a hold of the illegal drugs that they sell. No, you're exactly right on that. And I've heard this statistic from somewhere. I can't remember exactly where, but it goes something like this, especially whenever Europeans and they'll talk about our the, the gun violence that we have here in America. And they say it's all because you guys are allowed to carry the Second Amendment. You should do away with it. And yet from what I've heard is a, is that most of those, well, suicides, that's a big one, actually. You remove suicides, but the other large category of that is gang violence, as we're talking about here tonight. So when we talk about, quote unquote, gun violence in America, just overall, and I know some don't exactly like that term because it's one that the left has really coined and used to its own advantage to go after guns in general. But is so much of the, the gun violence that we do see in this nation truly just related to the gang problem that we have? Yeah. Well, I mean, you just showed a picture from Kansas City where they're advising people where different gangs were in the city. Look, you have to realize that 2% of the counties in the United States account for 56% of the murders. 5% of the counties account for 76% of the murders. And if you look at those 2% of the counties, for example, almost two-thirds of their murders occur within 10-block areas within those areas. So you see kind of the map that was shown a, a minute or two ago on your show. You know, it wasn't the whole city. It was just parts of it where the gangs were located. That's where the murders are, because often you have drug gangs fighting against each other in order to control drug turf that's there. As the profits go up, murders go up in those years. As the profits go down, murders go down. And, you know, it's just, you know, it's, it's, you have it very concentrated. It's a bit of a misnomer to talk about the U.S. murder rate, because Unlike most countries, our murder rates are not kind of evenly spread out across uh, the country. They're very heavily concentrated in tiny areas. You know, I'll give you one other fact. You know, often we'll hear that most murders in the United States are acquaintance murders. What most people don't understand, they think acquaintance murders involve people who have some kind of emotional tie with each other. And that's simply not true. Most acquaintance murders uh, appear to involve gangs. Uh, it's very common to, for the members of one gang to know who the members of another gang are. And, you know, because they're usually right across the streets from each other. Uh, they go to the same high schools and other places. Uh, so it's not too surprising that uh, a large percentage of these so-called acquaintance murders are people who know each other in rival gangs. So when it comes to situations like this, there's obviously a, there's a demand to have the gun laws that we have currently on the books to just enforce them rather than trying to uh, create new gun laws. But when it comes to gang violence, there is a tricky situation. The fact that, I mean, even with these guys and their criminal track records, it's not like they're going to a gun store and legally buying their weapons anyways. Oftentimes they're stealing weapons or they're buying it from their buddies and they're erasing serial numbers and they're doing all of that. So when it comes to those situations, we often look to law enforcement or federal agents like the ATF 
to crack down on them. However, these days, it seems the ATF is far more interested in going after law-abiding gun owners. You know, you may have a neighbor next door. He has some antique weapon from his grandfather fighting in World War II, and it seems oftentimes the ATF would rather go after that guy than go after the criminal gang's running places like Kansas City or Chicago or New York or Oakland. Take your pick. Is that kind of the situation we find ourselves in now because the push just to get rid of guns out of law-abiding hands, that seems so much more important for those in power right now than it is going after real criminals. Right. I mean, even a lot of the current gun control laws, I think, have much more of an impact on law-abiding citizens than they have on criminals. But that gets to the point that we were talking about earlier. If you're talking about gangs uh, getting guns, uh, you know, it's going to be just as difficult to stop them from getting guns to protect the valuable drugs that they're selling as it is to prevent them from getting the drugs. So the thing you have to be careful about is that you go and you pass these laws that you're not going to be primarily disarming law-abiding good citizens relative to criminals. Uh, I mean, I'll give you a simple example. Every place in the world that's banned either all guns or all handguns has seen large increases in murder rates. You know, people are familiar with what happened in Chicago and, and Washington, D.C., uh, where we had handgun bans go into effect. Uh, you know, but they're not the only places that crime rates and murder rates went up after bans. Even island nations, which you would think would be kind of the ideal experiment, there's no neighbor that they can go and blame, has seen large increases in murder rates. And one thing you have to realize, I mean, this applies to more than just gun bans, but when you pass a rule like that, who are the people that turn in their guns? Who are the ones who are most likely to abandon? It tends to be the most law-abiding citizens. You may take a few guns away from the criminals, but if you're primarily disarming law-abiding good citizens, you un unintentionally maybe make it easier for criminals to go and commit crime. And that's the reason why you can every single time you see murder rates go up, you think out of randomness once or twice, uh, it would go down, and yet it goes up every time. And unfortunately, you know, many of the gun control laws that we have on the books, uh, unfortunately, accomplish the opposite of what you'd like to see happen. Well, the pattern is quite clear then. And I know when you look south of the border, you've discussed it on the show as well, uh, kind of going back to your pattern in Central and South America. Many of those nations have very strict gun laws on the books. Well, we see what happens with those cartels and gangs and, and the violence, uh, the, the death tolls, the missing person tolls. It, it's enough to make even our, our gangs in Chicago perhaps blush at just how violent it gets down there. But Dr. Lott, is always a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you very much. And coming up next, the U.S. House Committee on Small Business holds a hearing on examining the impact of burdensome regulations imposed on Main Street by EPA regulators. We'll speak with a member of that committee when we come back in two.